How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning and welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. I'm your host for the next half hour, Liz Drabick. We are being joined by Weekend Backpacks Board of Directors member and treasurer Maxine Lowy. Maxine, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Liz. How are you? I'm great, and I feel like it's such a good time to talk to weekend backpacks, especially as kids are returning and school's back in session. But I want to talk first about the upcoming event you have. Maxine, can you start by telling me about Barbecue and Brew? Sure. So Barbecue and Brew is the, ne- is the third of our virtual food series. We feel like it's really timely as we're going into this summer. Everybody wants to barbecue. Some people want to have a little beer in their hand. And we are so fortunate that the executive chef from Linwoods in Pikesville is going to be firing up the grill for us and showing us how yummy meats and chickens for the summer. And I want to get into the specifics of some of that, but give me just a moment, Maxine, because you mentioned this is the third in a four-part series. So we last talked to one of your counterpart, uh, counterparts about cupcakes. What was the event that you did before the cupcake decorating, Maxine? Before cupcakes, we did dueling bartenders. And we had the, bartend, the head bartender, also from Linwoods, who have been a phenomenal supporter and friend of Weekend Backpacks. And his good friend from, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, in Colombia. And they did a vodka tasting and a tequila tasting and showed us how to mix some yummy drinks as we were going into the spring and summer season. I love that you resorted to my coping mechanisms for the pandemics, desserts and liquor. (laughs) And mine too. I'm right there. (laughs) Um, And I also love the timing of the barbecue and brew event with Father's Day right around the corner, Maxine. And this would make a wonderful gift for somebody who wants to give their dad a great, fun Father's Day gift. We're doing it the week, the Sunday after Father's Day, June 27th. It will be a Zoom. Um, But we are doing, we prepare a great, fun swag bag for people. It costs $45 to register. And for the $45, they get this fabulous swag bag with marinades and spices and rubs, some from Linwoods and some prepared especially for us. We have some grilling accessories, a grill mat and a marinating brush. Um, Bond Distributing is supplying some brew to pair with our menu. And it's really fun, fun 
stuff for your grilling pleasure. And Maxine, where do people go to sign up? So if they want to sign up, they go to Weekend Backpacks. They go to our website, which is weekendbackpacks.org. And on the pop-up page, it'll say Barbecue and Brew. And if they click on that link, it'll take them right to the, uh, a description of the event and the registration page. And how did you come up with these ideas? In November, food has always been our identity. When you think of weekend backpacks, you know that we're filling backpacks full of food for um, food insecure kids in Baltimore City schools. And for the few years prior to the pandemic, we had a great event called For Our Kids, a chef's event. And it was a dine-around event where local caterers and restaurateurs would showcase some of their food in a, in a casual dine-around. Uh, the last event we had was in November of 2019. We had over 500 people at Woodhome Country Club, and we raised over a quarter of a million dollars. When the pandemic hit, we realized we couldn't do that kind of an event anymore. So we had to pivot and say, what can we do to maintain our image of fun and food and a little drink that goes along with it, raise some money, and keep people engaged in the, in the mission of Weekend Backpacks? So we brainstorm a virtual series food event. And you have a fourth event coming up, too. Now, without giving too many details away, because we'll talk about that with a different guest in the upcoming months. But what is the fourth event on the schedule, Maxine? The fourth event is scheduled for September, and it's all about artisanal breads. And as we all know, during the pandemic, everybody got into baking bread. (laughs) It became, uh, in my household, it became at least a a once-a-week activity. And maybe about 10 pounds to go along with it. (laughs) Sounds like the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, really. And between that and the brew, most definitely. (laughs) And um, so we're going to do that as a hybrid event. We're going to have some people in person at Scola down on Charles Street. And then we're going to do it as a Zoom also for the general public. And is that how you envision events going forward for Weekend pack, uh, weekend Backpacks, a hybrid of in-person but online? How are you guys adjusting to that? I do envision that, at least for the short term, because we don't know what the next six to nine months are going to look like. In an ideal world, we'd be planning a 500-person fundraising event to raise $250,000 to feed a whole lot of kids. But we don't know that people are really comfortable with that. So as we look to the future, we're going to try and figure out, we're also doing separate from the food event, we are doing a miniature golf event in September, but that's totally outside. And that'll give us a different kind of opportunity for people to be together. Can you tell me uh, more about the mini golf event? golf event is going to be at Tom Mitchell's Miniature Golf. Uh, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the date right in front of me. But again, that will be on our website at weekendbackpacks.org when it opens up for registration. 
and it'll be 50 teams of four people playing miniature golf. We expect to have food trucks there. Hopefully the weather will cooperate, but something fun for families to do together. We're really looking to recreate our fundraising efforts to engage people, keep them involved, make weekend backpacks relevant to them, and certainly to support our mission. And I feel like it's so important with the outdoor togetherness, because this has been a period of such isolation, which actually leads me to the next uh, series of questions. Maxine, can you outline again, what is Weekend Backpacks? Absolutely. Weekend Backpacks is an organization whose mission is to help eradicate food insecurity amongst Baltimore City students. During the week, all Baltimore City students are eligible for breakfast and lunch at school, in person at school. But on the weekends, many of them do not have access to food, which impacted their ability to learn and concentrate across behavioral issues within the, within the classroom until they could fill their little bellies with some nutritious food. So in 2015, our founder, Sandy Nagel, realized that this was a real problem amongst some Baltimore City School students. And she recruited several of her friends and family members and they packed 18 bags of food on her dining room table. We fill our bags with nutritious food, with a well-rounded menu. We have pasta, pasta with meat. We have proteins like uh, Vienna sausage, tuna, canned tuna, canned chicken, canned vegetables. We always give fruit of some kind. And most often we are able to supply fresh apples. But we also include like pudding cups or uh, fruit packs for the kids to eat. At least once a month, we supply a jar of peanut butter, and we have been so fortunate with the help of H&S Bakery that we have been able to supply bread every week for these families. Now, you mentioned it started off as a small operation with Sandy Nagel at the head. I imagine it's a much larger organization. How did that develop? It developed as Sandy filled out the application to become a 501c3 nonprofit. She needed to uh, put together a board of directors. We really needed to get organized. And we've gone from that core group of about five or six people to a board of directors of 12 people, each of whom has an area of expertise whether it's in fundraising or operations or business management. We have a retired Baltimore City school principal on our board. We have people that have PR and communications experience. We really have a wealth of experience and knowledge on our board. And then we just started putting it out there. Hey, you want to come pack? Hey, you want to do something fun? And we have the most committed group of volunteers. There was not one week during the pandemic that we couldn't have rallied more than the the number of volunteers that we were comfortable having to come and pack and drive and 
we have a, a roster of over 300 volunteers now. That is remarkable. Maxine, if I may ask, how did you get involved? How did you wind up on the board of directors? <laughs> Good question. So my in my former life, about up until about three years ago when I retired, I was the fundraising and development director at a local synagogue. And my synagogue was looking to do some sort of community action, social action. And because we knew of weekend backpacks and we knew Sandy Nagel personally, we said, hey, why do we have to recreate the wheel? Let's bring weekend backpacks to, at the time it was Ohev Shalom. It's now called HSOSD. And once a month we would pack. We started out packing 125 bags once a month, and we thought we were a big deal. <laughs> we, <laughs> we currently pack 600 bags once a month, and we have been able to do this every month, even throughout the pandemic. Again, we've had to recreate how we do certain things. So um, that was my entree into weekend backpacks, and... I retired from HSOSC and then started, um, I said, hey, I love being involved. What's going to wake, get me up and out of bed in the morning? And I signed on to become treasurer. And I currently volunteer roughly 35 to 40 hours a week. Oh, that is and tremendous. That's so uplifting, Maxine. It gives me a reason. It gives me a purpose. It gives me a sense of doing something to make the world a better place. How do you find your volunteers? Easy. Word of mouth. Every time somebody comes and packs, it seems like they call us and say, I have a friend who wants to come, and I know this person who wants to be involved. And anybody can, you know, we've really limited the number of volunteers that we have allowed. You know, we've tried to maintain um, CDC guidelines for the last 16, days, you know, 16 months, I guess. Now we're starting to open up a little bit. We do all of our packing at a facility in Pikesville, and we pack and we load up shopping carts and we wheel them out to people's cars. We load up their cars as we can um, organize and coordinate our deliveries, either with the school social workers, the community coordinators who have just been the most wonderful partners. These people pour their heart and souls into these kids and making sure some of them over the last 16 months have delivered these bags door to door. I'm curious about the infrastructure and you hit the nail on the head with what I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the community coordinators who I'm guessing who are the ones who link up the children in need and the schools to you. What is that process like? Like, how do you target specific individuals or institutions where there's uh, the vacuum that you fill? It appears that there is a network amongst the social workers at each school and the community community. Community coordinators are primarily um, employed by private foundations, organizations, businesses to work within certain communities and really help to assess their needs and the services that they need to become a more cohesive, well-rounded, solid community. 
they are the ones that identify the families that are in need. We have nothing internally to determine which children get bags of food. That's all done on a personal, these are done, this is done by the people that know the families and the community the best. They then filter to us how many bags they need, what days are best for delivery, who's going to be there to receive it, and who's going to be there to distribute it. You are listening to Spotlight on Maryland. This is Liz Drabick speaking with Maxine Lowy, the treasurer and board of directors member for Weekend Backpacks. So, Maxine, take me back to last March. What happened when the pandemic hit and you realized that, wow, this is this is different? That is an understatement. (laughs) On March 12th, which was the last Thursday that we packed, we packed and delivered 639 bags of, of food to about 20, 20 something schools. And then we heard that schools were shutting down. And we really had to look at what we were going to do. We had people on our board who said it's not safe to pack and we need to shut down. But we knew that the service that we provided was so important. And we were so afraid of what was going to happen to these families that had come to rely on us week after week for weekend food. Because our bags not only feed the student, but they actually provide about six meals for three people. So each bag of food really contains about 18 meals. And we met virtually and said, what are we going to do? And we said, we're going to pivot. We're going to limit the number of volunteers that come and impact. We're going to expand the number of, we're going to do everything we can to feed as many kids and families as we can. And within, I would say within the first month, we went from packing and delivering roughly 640 bags of food to over 1,100 bags of food. Whoa. What it taught us was how versatile we can be. And it only took two things. It took people and it took money. And it took a lot of partners. I, we initiated a COVID relief emergency fund and instantaneously raised over $200,000 of to be able to ensure that we were going to have enough money to see this through because we had no idea how long it was going to last. In the meantime, our partners like H&S Bakery, who have been incredible supporters of ours, and the Maryland Food Bank. The Maryland Food Bank started receiving federal and state grants for food insecurity and to help feed people, and they in turn turn these grants into grants for their partners, such as weekend backpacks. So we were able to purchase at no cost huge amounts of food in keeping with the menu and the food that we were delivering. 
and that those grants have continued throughout this year. ShopRite in Timonium has also been an amazing partner and very generous. And this month, the month of June, they're actually running a register campaign for us where people can go into the ShopRite in Timonium and for $10 help, uh, they can sponsor a bag of food that will feed some kids over the summer because we will be packing over the summer. I'm so impressed with the organization's agility at providing twice the food with what I imagine was a fraction of the staff. Was that harder on your organization, Maxine? In a sense, it was easier because we would have 75 to 100 volunteers. We only used to pack on Thursday mornings. And we would never know how many people were going to show up. So we could easily have 75, 80, 90 volunteers. And the lines would bottleneck and people would stand there and it would take so long. Well, with 10 people or 12 people at the max, the lines went so fast. And we were so, we had people that would double, double um, bag. We would always, the bags got so heavy that they needed to be two plastic bags together to hold them. We had people that would do that from home and then drop off big, big, big uh, cases of double bags. So we could start and just put the food in and just get rolling. It's amazing how how quickly it goes when you know that there is such satisfaction at the other end of the line. Yeah, and your organization was so nimble, you know, with, with your resources. And like you said, realizing that it takes food and money. I want to talk a moment a little bit about outreach, like, you know, the presence of the volunteers that were dropping off the food. Like, that had to be such a comfort to the organizations receiving the food, knowing that you were a stable presence. Without a doubt, there are organizations that have done food drives for us, and that's great, and nothing goes to waste. The problem with food drives is that often you get food that doesn't really fit, and we try and be very consistent so that somebody isn't getting, um, you know, chocolate chip. We don't give a lot of sweets or candy. That we don't do. We give very little sugar products. But we want all of our bags to look very similar with the same amount of proteins, the same amount of vegetables, etc. So if we get food, let's say an organization or a group of people do a food drive, and we get food that doesn't fit what we do, we in turn donate that food to some of the food pantries that have been at the schools. And those food pantries have really been taxed throughout the pandemic. People start lining up at 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning for a food pantry that will open at noon. So we, I'm sorry, I forgot your original question. But I, <laughs> no, you're answering it just fine. <laughs> but um, so nothing goes to waste. We find that we find a, a recipient for any food and every food that, that we get. We have some local grocery stores that when things need to be pulled off the shelf, we'll call our, our vice president of operations, Alan Taylor, who probably works about 80 hours a week. He makes me look like a slacker. Um, he'll go any place to pick up food that somebody somewhere will be able to take advantage of. 
It's heartwarming to see the emphasis placed on nutrition because I can only imagine, and you can speak to this probably better than, than I can in your experience, Maxine, is that the children, not only do they rely on you and weekend backpacks for, you know, the nutrients and the uh, the physical nutrition, but what about like the, the mental nutrition that provides for them? Like, do you see a correlation between, you know, properly fed children and like, you know, emotional wherewithal, well-being, comfort? We don't do any we don't do any actual research. We rely on organizations that are far more adept at that, like Feeding America or the Census Bureau, and there are several other organizations, even locally, that actually do the research to talk about food insecurity, that talk about learning, that talk about behavior. But we do reach out to our schools, to our social workers. We used to, I hate the expression used to, because I certainly hope that we can put all this back in our future. But we used to have an annual brunch where we would invite the social workers to come and give us feedback on what are the kids like, what don't they like, how are the families responding to this, what's important, what do you think we should change. And we really partnered one-on-one with those schools and social workers because we can't do it in person right now. We've recently sent out a survey to the school social workers, and we are getting wonderful responses back from them, including something that we never expected to hear, which is the kids are loving that they are learning how to prepare food. They're heating up their mac and cheese. They're cooking their pasta. They're creating meals using the Vienna sausage and the pastas and the veggies. That was something we had never even considered. So we know, and we're getting the feedback from 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 the teachers who are saying the kids are so much happier. Hungry children cannot learn. Because when their tummies are growling and their minds are on, when am I going to eat lunch or when am I going to have my next meal, they can't concentrate. So we know that the, the effects of this, the residual effects of feeding these kids are huge. What a remarkable response. Maxine, as we wind down time-wise, can you give me another brief synopsis of your upcoming barbecue and brew event? Sure. So we hope that everybody will go to our website, www.weekendbackpacks.org, click on barbecue and brew, or go to the events tab, which is all, will also get you to the registration page, barbecue and brew is going to be held on Sunday, June 27th from 3 to 4 with the head chef from Linwood in Pikesville. Um, We're going to make, he's going to teach us all about rubs and marinades. He's going to make Peruvian chicken and savory Mexican corn salad. We're going to have beers uh, donated by Bond Distributing, which will pair with our menu. The proceeds from the event will go directly towards purchasing the food items that we use to feed our kids every week. 
It's a family fun event. It's $45 to register. You will be emailed a link to the Zoom, and you'll pick up your fun swag bag the day before at the Weekend Backpacks headquarters in Pikesville. Maxine Lowy, I've genuinely enjoyed our time together. This has been an Odyssey production. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.